Welcome to the OC Bitches, the podcast where we rewatch the OC as both cast members, but also fans. Each week, we're breaking down an episode often with the help of former cast members, crew, celeb fans, and other guests who have something to say about the cultural phenomenon that was the OC. Hello. Hi. Hi, Rachel Bilson. <laughs> um, my, um, sorry, guys, if you hear my puppy Lucy in the background, she's probably barking yes. at, the, at the mailman. So, um, it's mail time. How are you doing today, Rach? I'm doing good. How about you, Mindy? I'm great. Last week's episode, we got to talk to Josh Schwartz. That was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, we got to go over the pilot, reliving our youth, so to speak. <laughs> well, <laughs> but today, Mindy, we are here today with. Patrick Rush, who not only casts the OC, but also shows like Party Five, Supernatural, Everwood, Chuck, and many more. He put together the all-star cast for this show, and he went on to cast 23 more episodes. Did you? Was it 23? And hats off. We think he got it just (laughs) right. Uh, Welcome, Patrick Rush, one of the nicest boys in the biz. Thank you for being here. Thanks, ladies. Does this make me an honorary OC bitch? Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. if, if you'd like, Patrick, you are the OG. The OG. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Well, so um, tell us, I mean, Patrick, I've known you, was, was, you've cast me in, in a number of things, and, um, yes. but I noticed on your, um, your um, biography and your resume, you, you cast The Pretender. I did an episode of The Pretender. Did you cast me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I think I think I only did season three of The Pretender. Okay. Okay. It was. (laughs) You're expected to remember every single episode in person. But I certainly our paths had crossed a bunch, so it's possible. I yeah. I don't remember. In Everwood, which was um, yes, right before the OC, and um, that's funny. I yeah. have a story. In fact, Everwood I think you used too. the tape from that show so that I could hopefully be Julie Cooper. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think I Ever- went in I for loved Ever- Everwood. Everwood. Yeah, I went in for that with you, Patrick. And I think that was right before the OC. And mm-hmm. I remember not getting the part. And you cast this actress who looked a lot like me. So that was a tough blow. You know what I mean? Like as an actor, <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, they, it's not like they wanted something different. They basically cast me, but not me, you know? And, um, but because of that, you brought me in for the OC. So had I gotten Everwood, I would have not have gotten the OC, which is a funny little tidbit. <laughs> oh, and so, also- I think it worked out. I, it worked out the way it was supposed to. Uh-huh. Well, I'd like to. I'd like to hope so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and think so. Chris Pratt was also on Everwood. Yes, Chris Pratt was on yeah. Everwood. He yeah. was. He played Emily Van Camp's older, stupid brother named Bright, which was <laughs> the irony of his the character. Irony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was supposed funny. to be. Uh, he was supposed to be her twin brother, but they mm-hmm. loved him so much they made them not twins and made him the older brother. Nice. Getting back to the OC, um, what did you yeah, think when you Pratt. first? <laughs> Who's I mean, that? Pratt. Who's that guy? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here sweating the mortgage this month. I'm sure Pratt's fine. <laughs> well, um, so when you first read the script of the OC, um, what struck you about it? And did you instantly have people in mind? Tell, tell us about your process. Um, I did love it um, as soon as I read it. And 
you know, at that time and based on my resume, I mean, uh, I had cast a lot of sort of youth shows, you know, I used to call it the pretty crying white kids shows. And, uh, <laughs> and what I loved about the OC was that, and even rewatching the episode, like, it's the OC is funny. Mm-hmm. And it's why I thought you two were so great on it because you were both always such a source of bringing humor right. um, to it uh-huh. and making it fun and not just a teen drama. It just didn't feel like another teen drama. It felt more layered. It mm-hmm. felt like the characters were more sort of dimensional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I went in to meet on it and I met Josh Schwartz and he was young. I mean, I think he was 20, he was 26, I think. Yeah. And another one who has another one who hasn't aged today. You've all made a deal with the devil. Uh, uh, (laughs) I just remember, and what I love about Josh is he's exactly the same today as he was then. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He just is like a genuinely good human being. Um, He really is. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I really, and I really wanted to get this job. So I was happy when I did. You mean Josh was in his 40s and his 20s? (laughs) Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. No. Well, well, Clark. Well, he's, I mean, I always wonder, Clark. he wrote adults so well. I And yeah. for, for myself re-watching it, I said this last time that I was, I, I, I was a new mommy, barely a mom. I still felt like a kid myself, but re-watching this, I'm looking at the show with completely new eyes. Um, I've dealt right. with the teen angst and my daughter's 21 right. now. So so it's, um, it was actually a little more impactful because I was watching it, um, not for myself, <laughs> but as a true fan. So um, Right. Yeah. And, you know, Josh has always been a little bit of an old soul. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the OC was that the adult characters were equally important to the kid characters. And right. a lot of teen dramas at the time Dawson's Creek and Party Five, who had no parents, and you know, uh, it was so he was able to sort of bridge both worlds between the adults and the kids, and still keep it current and not have it feel sticky, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And uh, so I think that was sort of the gift of getting good adult actors involved that they knew they weren't just Dawson's Creek parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they were very, who, you know. Who were lovely people, nothing about Right, no, <laughs> of course. But yeah, they were such a big part of the story as well and how yeah. they integrated it, I thought. You know, everyone was so layered and had so much to them. And it is definitely a testament to the Schwartz for writing it so well. But <laughs> the Schwartz. <laughs> the Schwartz. He also, sh- you know, running for president in, I don't know, junior high or elementary. His slogan was, may the Schwartz be with you. So you knew big things were going to happen <laughs> for this guy. <laughs> My daughter called him Josh clever. Shorts. Josh Shorts. That's right. Shorts. That's right. Right. Josh Shorts. But you know, parents oh, so are uni- obviously they're universal, and it just brings an additional layer. I mean, the Sandy Seth relationship. I just for some reason I start beaming when I see Peter and Brody just exchanging, and it's just I don't think a relationship um, had, or at least in my experience, hadn't really been seen before. So. That was um, right. not to me. Yeah, that, that was that was just a great, great original relationship. Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, yeah so, I think so too. But so Patrick getting involved, I think it's such an interesting process, and what you do, and maybe a lot of people don't know so much about what goes into making these things and casting these shows. But you have to have the right, the great 
casting director behind it, which we did, and we're lucky enough to have you. But I think it's Thank kind you. of an interesting process to talk to you about and, you know, what it was like for you and what kind of, you know, what went into it and, and casting everybody, if you had people in mind, like how that sort of started with Josh once you got the job, kind of what that process looked like. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, when you read a project like this, obviously the studio and the network want to know who the names are that can play the adults, you know, who, who are those mm-hmm. names? And, um, you know, Sandy Cohen was a specific character, you know, he had a backstory and a history. So it wasn't like you could just put everyone on that list. And, you know, as you make those lists and you sort of put the names that are dream names on it, that you don't think are going to do it. And then you hear that, Peter Gallagher responded to, to the material in it positively, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and then you, then you tell the studio network that and you're so excited. And the network says, well, will he test? Mm. Oh. <laughs> so then you have to go back and ask, and you know what he did? He came in and he charmed that room and he said, what song and dance do I have to do to get this job? And Gail Berman, who was the head of Fox at the time, said something from Guys and Dolls. And he did it. <laughs> you know, he just, he did it. Now, how in the world could you say no at that point to him? But then he read a scene and it was just, you know, I remember Josh saying, I've never had anyone that famous read my words. Oh, that's And, awesome. you know, those are, I remember that moment as being like, you know. And then once you've got that sort of anchor in place, it sort of helps, you know, and as you're making those lists and making offers and checking avails, you're also auditioning right. um, mm-hmm. people left and right. And so, you know, you in the old days, you used to go to auditions with the producers and the director right. and the writer. Right, and, in uh, the old days. That's not how it works anymore. And, and no. I actually really, really miss that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Sure. I don't miss, well, obviously testing. It, or, I mean, testing was always such a, it could be a pretty nerve wracking experience when, and testing for a pilot essentially um, for our listeners is it's kind of, it's down to maybe you and maybe five, maybe it's more, maybe they test one character multiple times. I don't know, yeah. but, but you sign a contract and then you audition for the studio, um, sorry, the net, um, the studio heads and right. Um, whoever's producing, which would have been Warner Brothers. And then if you pass right. that one, you go on to the network and there could be 30 plus people in the room and you walk in, do your scene and walk out and it can be a pretty adrenaline producing situation. So um, right. those, and I think it also is a testament to those who can get through that with confidence kind of shows like that's, um, you know, when you do well and actually get the part. Right. That's pretty rare, I feel like, when you've tested. <laughs> I've tested for a lot of things, and it doesn't always work out. But Rachel and right. I were guest stars, so we didn't test. I love that, like, from Jimmy Get Me a Froyo and Boo Coop, I Gotta Pee, you guys like, turned those lines <laughs> into careers, you know, and, like, characters that we could not live without. So, uh, but as, you know, as the barbaric portion of that that I think that actors have to go through is you show up for your studio test Mm -hmm. and they hand you, you know, six contracts that you have to sign where you're signing the next seven years of your life away, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And then they, and then I say, Oh, you've signed, come on in. And you've just, you know, it's, I just think there's a better way to do that. Like you guys should sign the day before, then you don't have to think about that. You can come in and do your stuff. 
Yeah, as a very young, imagine being a very young actor. It's your first test and you look right. down and there's a there's a decent, you know, you're going to get a decent wage right. and it's like this, you're signing it away and what happens and you go in and, I mean, every, but every experience is a learning experience regardless. All you yeah. can do is do your best and and leave it in the room and move on with your life, you know? Right. So, Well, I also came from that time when primarily Warner Brothers television was... Uh, they were so good to me and mm-hmm. I worked a lot for them and I, I was doing well for them. And so you got to walk into a room with Mary Buck, who was the head of yes. casting, who was lovely and Peter Roth. Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no one, an actor loving studio head, you know, mm-hmm. who net always made actors feel warm and welcome. So not every place as you know, is like that. And mm-hmm. so that was always the, get the studio on with the producer's team and then head to the network with your choices, like, and a clear vision. And that's the thing about Josh and Stephanie. They have never said to me, which is my biggest fear. Well, we'll know it when it walks in. When I hear mm. creators say that, I think <gasps> we're never going to get cast. Never. Because yeah. they have no vision. Right. But Josh and Stephanie, they have like vision boards of pictures of what the people look like. And they know <laughs> what they want, which is a dream for a casting guy like me. For all of the roles, um, for Ben's role, he wasn't exactly what you were looking for. Summer wasn't de- um, right. described as 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 Rachel. So talk about that a little bit. I mean, it's some of the characters yeah, are a little not- more difficult to, to cast, correct? Right. Yeah, Ryan was a really hard role to cast um, because Mm. he sort of had to be everything, the bad boy, but sexy and also have an edge, but also fit into this world. And that was the role uh, that I, it was probably the last role we got done of the Mm. series regulars. Um, And Ben came to me from Warner brothers. He had tested for another pilot that Dee Dee Bradley was casting and he wasn't going to get it. And they said, see this kid tomorrow. And I set him up and he showed up at McGee's office off Sunset. And I remember showing up for the audition and there was this kid standing outside. And I hadn't met him and I didn't know him. And as I walked past him, I said, please be that kid. That is Ryan. I just looked like him. You know, I said hello. And he was like, hey, you know, he was not like warm and cuddly, (laughs) uh, which is what Ryan wasn't. Uh, That character Mm -hmm. wasn't. And, uh, he came in and he was just so prepared mm-hmm. and he so had a choice. And it's also my job to not try to engage in a conversation with an actor who's ready to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes actors right. come in like you, you know, that are yeah, friendly and chat, chat sure. a little bit. Yeah. But Ben was one of those people that I could tell he was ready to do what he had prepared. And mm-hmm. I just remember like my heart opened when he did it. Cause, oh. And then as I'm there reading, I'm hoping the people behind me are feeling it too. Cause I don't know until the actor right. walks out. So I just remember turning around and going, did you love him too? <laughs> um, <laughs> and they did, you know, and they did. And, you know, we saw Garrett Headland for mm-hmm. that part and we wanted to test him, but he got the, uh, he got Troy, the, uh, Brad Pitt movie mm. at the same time that we wanted to test him. Oh. And we saw Chris, we saw Chris Pine. Wow. Really? Really? And I love I him. haven't heard that yeah. name <laughs> tossed around before. Chris, Chris Pine was really, really, really good. Um, but he, there was, 
it's a painful. At the time, Chris Pine's skin was really bad. And mm. that broke my heart because I was a kid with acne. Oh, I and was too. It, yeah. Still yeah, am. And, and I, <laughs> yeah. I got one. I, I literally got that. one for this podcast. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm teenage <laughs> angst? Yeah, I know. Like, why? Then, why but but I remember now? thinking, like, you know, he was so good. And he was one of those kids who was kicking around at the time auditioning. Justin mm-hmm. Hartley auditioned, you know? Oh, there were a yeah. lot of good people who auditioned. Um, so interesting. But ben, ben sort of just, uh, it was that... I have a post-it on my wall at work when I get into a situation like this. And the post-it says, I just need one. And that's what Ben was. He was that one. Mm-hmm. And he came because of Warner Brothers and D.D. Bradley, who was casting another pilot. For See, so, now, that's a there. great point. He went out for something else that was technically yeah. a rejection, but led to this other thing. Well, I right. right. Yeah. It's like the I same was, thing I'd with done, me, how I got yeah, there. Yeah. It's just interesting yeah. how you look at this, the track of things and how right. everything works out as you, it should. You got to show up. You show up. Yeah, like who else could have played Ryan, you know? No, Ben had to play Ryan. He was ben, Ryan. And, and even watching that episode again, like, I, I just yeah. thought he was so good. I just thought so he was good. so good. And, and broken in a perfect way, mm-hmm. you know, for that role. Yeah. No, I agree. Rewatching it, I'm just so blown away by how good everyone is. But yeah, really taken with Ben and Ezra. I mean, everyone is so good. You know, I mean, I wasn't really in the first two, so I'm not like, you know, patting myself on the back by any means. But everyone else is awesome. (laughs) Hold on one sec. Hold on. Oxycontin is gnarly. Come on. Rachel. Gold. Gold right there. Rachel, That's I wrote right. that down too. That was a great, great you moment. Did? Oh yeah. my gosh! I want to know. I want to know the dirt behind all the casting. I want to know <laughs> the things no one else knows. That's you know what I, I know. tell um, young actors? Can we do a Can we do a separate phone call later about that one? <laughs> you, you, Patrick, yes, you just please. said I just need one. And I tell actors about rejection. They have to say no to everyone but one. So you're. You're, you know, and but the, it, that's difficult yeah. when it's between you and one other person. But uh, right. <laughs> but everything right. always leads to something. Just always go do your best. Right. right. And yes. I have to just say before we get into it, uh, mm-hmm. like the luck of that, I was also that I had been casting Everwood for a season or two, so mm-hmm. it's I was current mm-hmm. with the good people that were around and coming up and you know like as you know that you know we tested olivia wilde against specia for mm-hmm. that part right i had right. met olivia during um everwood she just got into town she was 19 and i thought she was spectacular kate mara yeah who had mm-hmm. been on everwood we brought her oh, in wow for, really for, for, for marissa? marissa yeah yeah wow another um, name i never heard yeah. Interesting. When we do get together, I'll just bring the pilot notebook and you'll see everyone with really? every note. Oh my God. I would that, love that. Oh, we're bringing you back for another me. podcast. Yes. <laughs> a very special, a very special Yes, podcast. a very right. special. Exactly. <laughs> wow. It's so funny. I've always said, if I die, burn my notebooks. <laughs> like, oh my but you're gosh. also responsible. Are you responsible for casting Shailene Woodley? Who's that? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's uh, true. It was funny seeing her on that episode again yeah. today. Right? Like, so young. Uh, I mean, she had to have been, yeah. what? I don't even know. 12, 11? 11. 11. Yeah, she was young. Yeah. She was young. And 
short-lived as well. It was like she was in the first two. How many episodes did she do? I don't even know. She had some mild but they kind success of phased, after. They phased that char- but they phased that character out a bit until later, right? She went away to boarding right. school. She did yeah. like, I think she had like 10, 10 episodes here and there. Oh, she was she did? Now. Oh. I think so. I'm, I'm catching up still, IMDb Patrick. I, I've never seen the show. I'm still catching up. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I will eventually. Oh. I will get there. But. Yes. The model home. Yes. The model home. Episode two. Yeah. All right. So just before, I would say R- Rachel's best line was um, Oxycontin is gnarly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your best line, Melinda, was China has alopecia. Yes. Let's just call it out. Those are. China has alopecia. China has alopecia. We just we need, need to, to that. Yes. Ah. Alopecia? <laughs> Those have become, you know, there are some cult followings when, for our characters. And definitely that yeah. one's become kind of a right. infamous. <laughs> the smartest line I've ever delivered is Oxycontin is gnarly. I mean, I don't, you know, that's definitely going hit, down. But the way you hit gnarly, you made <laughs> it like a two-syllable word into a four-syllable word, which isn't easy. It was really well done. It was Talent, like Patrick. Talent. <laughs> Notre Dame High School. That's, thank you very much. And that is what I pulled from. My Valley High School friends. Thank you Because for we your are exactly like our characters. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I realized we steal from the best. I mean, or we steal from, well... In in private, I'll tell you who I stole from to be Julie Cooper. Um, Patrick, you probably know who it is, but <laughs> that's another conversation. No, but I really do want to do the follow-up call with you two. Yes, <laughs> I know. Everyone listening is going to be like, but I want to be on that call. Okay, Rachel, why don't you read the, the synopsis or whatever, our description of what we're going to talk about. Oh, the description of the model home, season one, episode two, when Ryan finds out he is being shipped off to foster care, he tries to run away. Seth and Marissa team up and convince him to hide out in an abandoned model home of Kirsten's. Once again, Luke and Ryan clash, punches are thrown, and the entire plan and house goes up in flames. Literally. That is this. Quite literally. Okay, opening scene, California by Rufus Wainwright, plays over the beautiful California... California landscape selling the beauty of the California coast. They, I think they, they really did that because um, California really is that beautiful. It was a, obviously slightly, um, slightly different from um, the um, landscape of Chino. Um, right. <laughs> so, so <laughs> the Chino does not sell on Fox. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Chino. We love you. We know you have a PF change now. Um, <laughs> shoot. Um, sorry. <laughs> See, I'm becoming Julie Cooper. <laughs> See, okay. I have to behave. She's taking over. She's taking over. Oh my gosh. I'm turning beet red. I'm blushing. Anyway, um, so Seth and Ryan are lounging in the pool. Reminder that this is, um, summer vacation. Um, and then. First, this is the first glimpse we get into Kirsten's stressful job. She's um, on the phone with her dad. We haven't met him yet, the great Alan Dale. Um, right. Yeah. And we learn that the model home is in trouble. Sandy feels bad about Ryan, but says he feels sad. I've, you know, I'm, I feel sad about this kid. But anyway, he says he'll have to go to child services in the morning. And Kirsten is, is beside herself. What kind of mother abandons mm-hmm. her child? And But she's made the decision. She can't let Seth get into um, any more trouble with Ryan around. Sandy says he's going to go into the foster care system, but that is age at his age. It might be impossible. 
And you can see Kirsten really, you know, fighting of, are they doing the right thing? Did anyone notice in the pool scene, Benjamin McKenzie's body is on full display (laughs) and Adam Brody's got his back to the camera the whole time? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I I love you, Patrick. I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. See, this is the type of stuff we want. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. Because I'm thinking, okay, so Ben is on full display, kind of in the trunks, wet, spread eagle, neck choker on, giving the body. And I'm thinking, was Adam Brody really hairy? Was he hairy? No. Like, I didn't know, like, did they not want him to look his age? I, I was just curious. That's I mean, I, I mean, this is, I, I know I can't, I mean, I may know a little, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> But no, he was Adam in real life was a surfer, very fit, not very, not very hairy. I don't. It was probably a camera choice, not a body choice. I will stick up for Brody here. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, is there ever going to be one of the podcasts where we discuss all the romances that were happening? <laughs> I love oh. that Patrick just wants to get into it. He's like, <laughs> "Fuck the episode! I want behind the scenes. What was going well, down?" <laughs> you were able to just describe Adam's body, so I thought, "When do we talk about?" Oh, that? Patrick! You know what? I remember you saying to me, Patrick. Oh God! You said something along the lines of, "I knew another couple who met on screen, and they kissed. The first time they kissed was the last time they kissed somebody else. Something along those lines. Is this triggering anything for you? Because you said this to me." about myself and Adam Brody. Now, I don't want to call you out that you were wrong, but it's the time. I was casting a a pilot for the WB back in the day before it became the CW. And um, we chemistry tested this young actress and young actor. And he did, in the test at the network, kiss her, even though... It hadn't been prepared. He wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. And there was this really weird moment at the end of the scene. And he mm-hmm. said, I'm so sorry I did that. If I don't get the job, I'll never get a chance to kiss her again. <gasps> and he got the job. And they've been together ever since. Well, who are they? You can't who tell that it? story. Not yeah. Tell Kyler Lee, who was on Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and is on Supergirl, is yeah. the girl. And her husband, Nathan. That's oh, so they've sweet. Been together, so sweet. Like they literally been together since that moment. They have two or three kids. Oh my and he God. was I just he was so in, he was so in love with her. He just thought, I'm gonna go for it because I'll probably never him. see her again if I don't get the job. So I mean, nowadays nowadays you couldn't do that. I'm I'm so glad that worked out because I you know, sometimes that can can be an awkward moment in the in the room, I would imagine. Right. Right. <laughs> well, oh, wait, right. I mean I think are we allowed to ask when did you guys start dating? <laughs> Adam and I? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it had to have been during the first season. Not in this episode. Let's say that. It was probably too no. soon. No. 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 Was a I, I, uh, I think as actors, I had an acting teacher who said, you know, no matter what, when you're doing a scene or it's a romantic scene or something, even if you're not attracted to the person, you got to find something about that person or that person that you find attractive, whether it's the hair, mm-hmm. or whether you're actually connected or attracted. It's, it's mm-hmm. just going to make it a little bit more truthful. So I'm pretty sure there was some attraction there. Chemistry. Yeah. Well, Patrick, did you do chemistry reads when you were casting the show to make sure there was chemistry between like Misha and Ben, for instance? 
They they did have to do a chemistry read. Oh, they did. Um, uh, yes. How'd that go? Did uh, he try to kiss her? <laughs> no, he didn't. To my <laughs> to my recollection, he didn't. But it's weird because we ended up in some weird warehouse in North Hollywood. I, 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 they set up a full on screen test thing, mm-hmm. and you know, poor Ben had been reading with me. Mm-hmm. forever you know like <laughs> he had to read with me at the audition as me as marissa and then at his studio and network test and i remember at the network they said we love him we want to see him do a chemistry test with misha so mm-hmm. nice you know and i think here's the thing misha was 15 Uh-oh. which is like she so turned crazy. 16 during the pilot or she, yeah. like sometimes I, I remember yes. like she yes. was young. She turns, I mm-hmm. thought she turned 17, but yeah, no, you're probably she, right. No, she was yeah. 16 during the pilot for sure. Yeah. Yep. I think, mm-hmm. I think she got cast and she was 15 and within like the time frame between January and March, she turned 16. Yeah. I think um, January. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I remember that. I remember um, her having to sort of do the, the Micheline, um, mm-hmm. so that she didn't look tall. So she didn't look taller. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know, true. She's pretty tall. Yeah. yeah. She's very tall. Right. But, and, and I have to tell you, she did it effortlessly without being told. When we did a slate with them at the end, she kind of leaned in and put her head on his shoulder. She, it was very lovely of her to do. No one asked mm-hmm. her to do it. And I remember mm-hmm. watching and going, she knows that he, somebody might say they're the same height or she's a little Interesting. taller. But, when she slated, they were very adorable together. And and so she was already cast, looked. you're saying? And he was in for the chemistry yeah, read or the opposite? Yeah, okay. She had been cast. She was. She and Peter Gallagher were the first two people cast. Mm, got it. And she uh, was already a seasoned actor at that point, so she had some technical skills as an actor. Okie doke. Well, well, he doesn't she agree. Been she had she been was, working since no, she was a kid. Yeah, she was a kid. <laughs> That's yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, and Josh and Stephanie uh, and they and people loved her. And at the end of the day, she was perfect. Right, mm-hmm. she was perfect as Marissa. Mm-hmm. She was really absolutely uh, the right choice. And don't forget, at the time on the cover of every magazine with all the commercials oh, yeah. and Neutrogena ads, mm-hmm. I mean, she was a knit girl. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Oh, she was the OC, you know, like her face, like the whole thing. And yes, beautiful and all of, all of the above. I've always sort of thought like Misha was kind of, and this is a reference that will age me and date me and you won't get it, Rachel. Uh, Hey. She was kind of, (laughs) Melinda, you might not get it. She was kind of like Ali McGraw. I know. Yeah. But like, Ali McGraw <laughs> Give me Love some Story. credit here, Patrick. Love Story. But Ali McGraw in Love Story. I was right. a kid when Love Story. But I know, but I still know. She was that beautiful, With Ryan O'Neal. perfect. Yeah. So, and she was like that perfect. Wholesome that time. beauty. Right. Correct. She's that, right. she was the Neutrogena beauty of that time. Correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, okay. So next scene, which I just think is, it's a cute, quick little scene. And it's classic Seth where Seth and Ryan are back in the, still in the pool. No, wait. Yeah. They want to celebrate their last night together. And of course, Seth says, like, get some tattoos or hookers or lose our virginity. Like every line <laughs> out of his mouth is witty, sarcastic, or is it serious? <laughs> and mumbled. And mumbled. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, he was so quick and he was so quick and facile with the material and everything was so funny and thrown away that 
you could eat, miss it if you weren't paying attention. Like he was mm-hmm. just right. really quick with the dialogue. Very, and very quick with the dialogue. That's why I and watch everything with subtitles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quick the, yeah, quick with the ideas, giving Ryan the idea to not have to leave and stay in the model home of Kirsten's that has yeah. been abandoned in this episode. Yes. He's also a quick thinker. Yeah. Yes. He- Which launches us into what happens next. What happens next? I think, um, well, Ryan, really quickly, he, um, I wanted to point this out, that he shows interest in the actual model home and Kirsten's business. And it kind of foreshadowing, uh, it right. foreshadows what's right. going to happen kind of at the end of the se- end of the year, or sorry, end of this entire um, show. But it, this, it kind of endears Ryan to Kirsten a little bit more. She's um, definitely thinking, hmm, this kid's smart. But then they go on to um, the quote, Last Supper, and I just love, and I'm going to repeat this throughout all of our podcasts, Rachel, the Seth and Sandy relationship where they tease Kirsten. Right. Merce, yeah, just was, it's so funny the way they tease her about not being able right. to cook. That's very sweet <laughs> and endearing for sure. And Ryan probably Did- has never seen um, a family scene like this. It's so, right. Everything is so brand new. Right. Everything's so new to him. Yeah. yeah. He does, you know, and. He, he he was great at being a fish out of water. Yeah. And sort of take we got to see through his eyes how out of place he felt mm-hmm. without any dialogue, which is a testament, I think, to how right. great he was in that role. Absolutely. And Josh, you know, has said that we're seeing everything basically as Ryan, you know, like or especially in the pilot right. and whatever. So I just think that's an a testament to the writing and the acting and and just how you really are with him and feeling it with him and seeing it with him, which is right. just so cool. And I think, which was a big draw to the show as well for audience right. members, because I'm watching it now as right. an audience member and I'm like, oh my right. God, like fully in it and feeling it with right. Ryan and, and as Ryan seeing this, even like Summer and her, <sighs> her fabulous <laughs> lines that, oh man. <laughs> so um, Ryan has to sign the paperwork sending him to the social worker the next morning. But in the middle of the night, Ryan doesn't go to sleep, but instead he tries to run away and Seth intercepts him, catches him in the act and wants to come with him. (laughs) So Seth then decides he's got a better idea. He does have a better idea. Seth desperately trying to be cool. (laughs) He is trying. Yeah, he is. He's cool. He was cool. But he no was one cool else because it. he wasn't cool. Right. He was an outsider, I mean, but like, yes. Right. Very cool it's, outsider. <laughs> I think more girls fell in love with Seth than Ryan. I really? Mean, Is that yeah, a fact? I do. We should take a I poll. think it was like, no, yeah, he was, on, Dawson, on Dawson's Creek, girls were supposed to fall in love with Dawson and they fell in love with Pacey. And I think mm-hmm. a little bit of the same thing happened on the OC that girls were in love with Seth. Well, and, and in this episode, I think Seth thinks he's cool, you know, and that he thinks <laughs> he thinks that I'm the coolest kid. I'm the only one in this town like this. But as right. as this episode goes on, he's going to have to his reality is going to get like have a new per, little tweak to it when he gets in it, gets into it with Marissa. But um, Sandy wants to talk to Seth about Ryan in Seth's room and he uh, pretends that he's asleep and it's another great father moment. You know, he's like, don't be sarcastic. I'm not. Well, it's so hard to tell when, um, right. yeah. Um, 
Then Ryan and Marissa meet again at the end of the driveway. She thanks him for the other night and he asks, do you always drink like that? She doesn't mm-hmm. respond, but that's clearly a trigger for him, right? And his her, home life. Right? right? Or for well, him? Well, he, he says, for her. Is, well, and he's asking probably like, do you always drink like that? Because of his home life, you know? Right. right. But I feel like it's a trigger for Marissa when she's like, Oh, right shit. for like, both you of them know they're that like I do that right so that's like another yeah. moment for them to come together and realize that they have a lot of right. similarities right and he's and surface. he's and also if if she's similar to his mother he's he's going to continually be rescuing her from these situations right and it's Triggering, like, yeah of course it's his mom yes right. right I was wrong right. you were right, right. no <laughs> I, I just, love it I love a rescue project. That's been my whole adult life. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Abort. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no. Sorry. Right, can, we, can we talk one thing about Adam being cool? Yeah. And, yes. Okay. Please. Do you know? Do you know that when he came into audition to pre-read for me mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. going to producers, I set him up to read for Seth, and he came in and he was going to read for Ryan. He decided he wanted that? to read for Ryan. You mean his yeah. choice was like, no, I'm not going to read that. I'm going to read this. Yes. <laughs> and I remember sitting, <laughs> and I remember sit, sitting in my office going, wait, you're what? He's like, well, I read both. And I really want to audition for Ryan. And I said, okay, go ahead. And he did. And he was, well, he was done. And I'm like, Re- really great. Uh, would you come back and read for Seth tomorrow? Uh, I, he came and in. He decided awesome. he wanted to be Ryan. Well, that shows you the confidence there. Yeah. I mean, you know, that takes a confident Adam. person. Absolutely. Yes. Adam, just he, to be like, way, you know what? No, and, I like this one. <laughs> right. And by the way, had he been pompous or a douche about it, I would have been like, fuck you. No. Right. You know, bye. <laughs> right. Thanks. But there was something about, and he was so good. I right. mean, you couldn't deny yeah. that he's a good yeah. actor. He's but very he good. Just, I knew that. The network was never going in the studio. weren't going to hire Adam to be the bad boy from Chino. Right. Well, Mindy has um, said she thought Adam was the bad boy from Chino. Mindy, when she first saw them on set, that's because when I met Ryan, uh, well, the story of thank. Actually, I'm only on this show because Patrick. I was involved in another show. I told you this, but they were going to um, Patrick wanted me for the role, and they weren't going to let me out of my pilot, the waiting period. I'd already tested for this other pilot. And I remember talking, I can't remember, but they said, they're going to give it to somebody else if you can't get out of it. And we just begged the other producers. And literally, I think at the last minute, you you held them off, I believe, from, from what I remember. Yeah. So I was able to- I also remember but, seeing you at Hugo's Restaurant while we were in that waiting. <laughs> like we were both ended up having dinner at Hugo's and I was like, please tell them to let you go. Right, we had Aww. to do that. Yeah. But so yeah. I came in late and that's following up that um, my first day, I, I said this on the last one with Josh, that it was the party scene, but I met Ben quietly in the van in a tuxedo and he mm-hmm. looked like a quiet, you know, sad mm-hmm. character. And, right. and Brody was a little more, you know, gregarious or something and i just instantly thought the roles were reversed so right. but um but i think that it's one of I my think favorite that's a testament stories. to you as being one of the nicest casting directors on the planet i will always say that and in, in that he says i would Thank really you. like to do this and you and and said okay go ahead i mean sometimes as an actor yeah. it's like i if somebody says i really really want to try this for you that's actually a great attitude i don't think that it can always work out 
for for actors right. to do that, but but I think that's a great story. Uh, I've been I'm happy to be wrong. That's the thing, mm-hmm. you know. I've been wrong a lot in my career, so. Uh, who am I to not be on the actor side? You guys are the ones that make me look good. Mm-hmm. So oh. I think some casting people forget that, that if people don't love the actors, mm-hmm. they don't love the person doing the job as the casting director. So mm. I've always wanted to be that guy with actors. You guys have kept me employed. Uh, well, you've kept me employed. <laughs> you certainly, you certainly <laughs> kept me employed. <laughs> You made me employed, I should say. No. I, I have a job that I get to play a small part in people's dreams coming true. I mean, how it's cool a huge is that part. for a job? Huge. Yeah. I think we all play a small part when you think about every single job between crew, production, writers, everything. Somehow, all of these pieces come together and make this machine run. I'm reminded of Charlie Chaplin for some right. reason, but but when <laughs> everyone does their job, you get this magic on the screen, and here we are, 18 years later, talking about it and having yeah. a blast. Right. You know? Crazy, right? That's crazy. Years later, here we are. It's literally it's literally a lifetime ago for you, Rachel. I know she's right? got a six year old thousand percent. Yeah, I have a six year old daughter. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you I mean, were you were probably you were 18 or 19, right? I was 21 shooting the pilot, which is still close. I mean, very young. Right. Uh, Different person completely, different life. That's why going back (laughs) and watching has had such, I've, oh my gosh, like just such an emotional reaction to seeing like, it's a different lifetime and it's crazy. And you're so young and everything that's transpired since then. I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I have to I have to say, going back and watching it again today, first of all, it doesn't feel dated. No, it doesn't. It's so weird. It doesn't feel dated. And I was really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. have the same reaction. This is a really, really good show. I remember yeah. thinking that at the time of watching it, you know, but mm-hmm. having revisited it, like, oh, wow, I'm really proud of it. You know, it's like, it's something to be proud of. I would really love to talk about these next because I think this is a really interesting, being the second episode after the pilot, this is where um, we start to really see the relate um, the personalities of um, right. of um, Ryan and Marissa and Seth. Because, and, Seth um, and their relationships forming. They really start to form in this episode. Right. right. So instead of Marissa going to Summer's birthday, she gives mm-hmm. them a ride to the, to the secret place that Seth is taking them to. And then... As they're driving, this is a pretty iconic scene where they start talking about music and music and Marissa's into punk and Seth realizes she's into the same music. Now, is this the conversation that apparently really happened between Adam and Misha and Josh overheard it? Well, I think I, it, it, I have to ask Josh, but I know that that has been said and I could see that happening because I know Misha actually did listen to like Sex Pistols and like all that stuff and and I think they—I I do believe that is true. There was, like, an epiphany, and Brody was like, holy what? shit, Misha listens to, like, the same music I do? Like, what? You know? It's a pivotal—yeah, for sure, p- pivotal yeah. thing to see. Like, there's similarities in in so many ways that you would never, ever know from the outside and what it looks like, especially right. in high school. <laughs> right. In and then, Newport Beach. <laughs> and probably closer to their real um, personalities in real life mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. 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 Um, it also it sets up the scene nicely when that comes shortly after that when um, uh, Marissa and and Seth are in the go at it in the house. Yeah. 
And, well, and they're saying like, well, I've lived next door to you. You've never yeah. said hi. And mm-hmm. they sort of, it sets that up nicely because that mm-hmm. scene feels more real. Totally. Um, She's like, well, you never said relay. hi. <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And also I have to say there's, there is really nice chemistry between um, Ben and Misha in the pool scene when Adam is skateboarding yeah. in the pool. And right. They have a really lovely moment that I did I didn't remember. It was where I kind of it snapped for me. Right. It's a very yeah. vulnerable scene. First of all, I want to say it's a classic California scene where they're eating cla- the original in fast food in and out and, and, and out right. skateboarding yep, in an empty out, pool. Moment. <laughs> but the scene <laughs> they find they realize that they have similar even though they're from different worlds, they have right. similar right. problems possibly, yeah. and they might be more alike than they thought. Totally. And then they have this little secret and this bonding moment together. Mm-hmm. And um, that yeah, kind of sets opens the up tone. To him. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, she hasn't that's told really anyone. Wonderful. Right. But it's like, yeah. when, you know, you meet people like that and you feel like you can just open up to them and there's just like this unspoken connection. And mm-hmm. it was like, and they did that so well because you really felt that. You know, in that in that scene, in that moment, in particular, it's also a compliment to Josh's writing that they didn't try to jam all of that into the pilot, uh, and that, it, like you said, it feels like a continuation of the pilot episode too. Yes, does. It, well, Josh mm-hmm. said the first three episodes are really the pilot. Yeah, right. That becomes. I didn't. I never knew that, but today that became clearer to me. Yeah, watching. yeah, yeah. And then Seth sure. and Marissa start going at it. Um, with this, um, you know, what you were talking about that you think you're so so much better. No, you're the one who thinks he's mm-hmm. so much better. And he says, mm-hmm. oh, well, Luke, yeah, because that guy shaves his chest. But, you know, everybody <laughs> manscapes now, right? Uh, but, but my comment was, wow, this is how teenagers talk to each other. And all of our actors, it seemed even more comfortable on screen, like they'd been hanging out together. And mm-hmm. it felt like, I, I mean- it felt, I felt like I was watching Adam, Misha, and Ben, you know, right. in that scene, right. which is actually really great for, for our show to be, you know, rooted in some um, real relation, you know, right. and that's what we do. It's, we bond with our castmates and then we get to take that kind of energy onto set. And um, mm-hmm. although I was curious, I was like, is that a real pool? But in the background, I saw a skateboard ramp that would come and go in the editing. Oh, Really? I, yeah, I, think I didn't so. see that. I saw oh, some wood continuity. in there. <laughs> I didn't. But yeah, you know, we but we really did all hang out, <laughs> which is funny, like a lot. Did anybody else pick up a little like Luke was in love with Ryan vibe today, or is that just a little <laughs> guy like me? Just like, like I'm trying to make up like hotel porn. We we so, need to do this. Like, he, shaved his, he shaved his chest. <laughs> he, we see redeeming moments. I think there was. I think. I want to watch that show you're watching. (laughs) I I think Patrick needs to join our podcast every week. (laughs) Yes. No, we need you, Patrick. I think think Luke was in love with Ryan. I stand by it. Right. Yes. I mean, he carried him out of the fire like a fireman. He did. He did carry him out. You know what? He could have left him. And and the way he carried him, I will agree. And then picks him up hitchhiking. Hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> this is all the subplot. I see where you're going. Back at the Cohen house. I was mm-hmm. I had to I was like, the cops are there. And I'm like, who called the cops? That's not a San, sandy move. What the what the H? And <sighs> um <laughs> so Marissa and Seth scheme to go back to Ryan and Julie, 
is entertaining Luke for breakfast. Boy, oh, Julie just right. seems to love Luke. Whore. <laughs> my She's a whore. Julie, <laughs> What's I wanted happen? to be you for Halloween. I wanted to be <gasps> Julie Cooper for Halloween. You should. I, I've heard of people being that. It's the ultimate compliment. Okay. It is. For sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then Marissa, well, you she makes Well, you just love ex- Luke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marissa makes an excuse not to hang with Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then I had to say this. For some reason, I wrote, Ben has guns, pull-ups. Like, he, that was a quick shot of him. So, oh, yeah, I noticed Patrick. Oh, yeah, on the scaffolding, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Right? Did you did you pause on that? <laughs> there, might have been a, there might have been a rewind. There might have been a rewind. I actually did too. No. <laughs> no, I have to go back and see. So then Seth does more Seth blabbing to the cops and more sarcasm and jokes and that he's going to Mexico for cockfights. And I, I just, <laughs> it's like, did Josh really, because it's just immediate in the second episode, he, he started tailoring for for um, probably Adam's talents and what he thought very, very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, here we go. Julie <laughs> asking Jimmy for more money for the pony, China. Yeah. And he says we should get rid of the pony. And Caitlin's like, but I love China. She's the prettiest pony. <laughs> and then Julie doesn't want to listen. You know, no. you know, nobody's dying of cancer. Fix it. And then uh, Marissa and Seth, they bring Ryan supplies and a mixed CD because CDs were still very popular then. <laughs> yeah, that was a little dated. That was a little uh, right. dated when I watched that today. Yeah, Flip you know, phones. but I, I, I actually recently got my daughter a Walkman with cassettes because I'm like, no, this cannot die. You have to know what it was like. Anyway, and she's into it, but that's a side note. Um, but in the episode, they realize they forgot food. So the three of them head out to eat at the pier. Very risky. What happened to the montage. pier? Yep. Pier montage. Montage. Cue montage. I remember right. that so vividly too, just seeing them and like Misha riding on the, the pegs of the bike and like the whole thing. And it's just very, Skateboard. I feel like that's an iconic, iconic little montage. Did yeah. you say so yeah. myself? It was beautiful. It was in a weird way, really beautiful. Not a what? weird way. Yeah. It was just beautiful. And we were, and they looked um, like they were having fun because they were, you know, it was yeah. like the same thing. Like they were actually having fun together, you know, right. like just riding around on this pier and that was all real. And it's probably right. a first, when you think about it, probably a first, this is a first for Ryan. This is clearly a first for Seth. He has, uh, you know, he hasn't hung out like this. He's got a brother mm-hmm. who's experiencing life in, in a totally different way now. And um, Marissa's been with Luke since fifth grade. So <laughs> it's it's all yeah. brand, very brand new. Also, it yeah. was um, he, yeah. shot on the Redondo Pier. That's right, the Redondo Pier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we got, I remember we got a lot of um, flack from people, especially in Orange County. Why, you know, why mm-hmm. aren't you shooting in Newport? And my response to people, obviously we have to shoot within, uh, because of union rules within the radius and Redondo is still Los Angeles. But I always would tell them um, at our, um, the Raleigh studios in Manhattan Beach, well, you know, next door to us is CSI Miami and Boston Legal. <laughs> we're a little closer than those shows. At so. least we're in the right. same vicinity. I think it's okay, yeah. but um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it just reminded me. Uh, 
when we would have casting sessions in Manhattan Beach mm-hmm. and my office was in Toluca Lake, oh. it was like that Saturday Night Live skit of, of the Californians because <laughs> yeah. I would go, I would have to take the 134 to the 5 to the, to the 110, 110 to the oh, totally. five. Five. Oh my God. It was five freeways there and back. And we had one session on a Friday at three o'clock. Uh-oh. And every actor, every actor was late. And I said to them, we have 1030 sessions from now on in the morning. You know, yeah, like, you can't. No, anytime. That Friday can, afternoon no. to Manhattan Beach. It nope. was, yeah. Oh my gosh. Nope. It was the original Californians. That that reminds <laughs> me of, I, I signed up or I said yes to the publicity people. They wanted me, or I thought everybody was writing a blog and I only did it a few times. And all I did was talk about the traffic from Sherman Oaks. <laughs> Today the traffic was, and I would, and when I was late, I would take pictures with my flip phone or whatever phone I had to say, "This is what I'm in right now." Just so you know, I'm not because you know, I was always worried about being late. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, it was a trek. So we go back to the Cooper house, and my question was answered. Kirsten called the cops. Oh, of course, it wasn't Sandy. <laughs> Narc. <laughs> He's she like, oh, I wish you shouldn't. Wish she hadn't called the cops because you know. But then she has this iconic. She says, you know, what is it about this kid? And oh, right. right. He says, I was this kid because he's you know defended a lot of these yeah. kids. So, so. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then we have this um, <laughs> kind of famous um, scene here where Jimmy's calling Kirsten and. Uh, for a favor and lunch. And then Julie comes in with the famous, uh, China has alopecia and we need to call the vet. <laughs> and the reaction is this, what? What? <laughs> and she's like, uh-huh. like, this is the most important thing in the world right now. And um, the I, only I just thing love, in the world. Yep. <laughs> I love Jimmy's response. Her tape was so great. <laughs> and what, what horse has alopecia, alopecia is what I want to know. I guess it happened. But in the episode, we move along to the three musketeers eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. Then they realize Seth and Marissa both love on the road. Another similarity between Seth and Marissa. Hello. Uh, are you sure they okay. weren't supposed to be the love interests? Just kidding. This is this is where we first see the iconic diner that we then later built on set. But it was, you know, I still feel like people go and take pictures in this diner and stuff. Like, I've seen it a couple times yeah, on Instagram right. or something. You can still, yeah. But that's the first time we see it, which is kind of neat. And it was on the Redondo here. <laughs> I'm sure when that but, And that was really the play. That you were, that yeah. was really the mm-hmm. location, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that was really the location. So that's kind of neat. But yeah. then Luke and the friends show up and things go awry, don't they? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Luke is jealous him. because he's in love with Ryan. I'm just going to stick with <laughs> After the fight, another fight with yes. Ryan and, and, yes. and Luke, that then I just, for some reason, I get all excited when I see these um, and, and these scenes where Seth is blocking the door. They're trying to get out. <laughs> and he comes away going, that was awesome. Yeah. And this right. kid just living life right. for the first time. And something he's always fantasized about with Kerouac or whatever. He's been living in right. books and now he's mm-hmm. living it. So I thought that right. was that was and 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 I just want to give a shout out to Chris Carmack because he does play he's the sweetest guy in real life in and he world. just plays that yeah. bully so well so well that line that Josh wrote too when Ryan's got the hoodie on and it's over his head and he's like what's up eight mile yeah and knocks Ryan like <laughs> uh, 
Carmack delivers it and it's funny. Right. So I give yeah. Carmack props that like oh, yeah. just those little moments that are so easy to miss and forget that are so just well done. But in any case, Sandy makes Seth come with him to look for Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get into, we're back at Holly's again at the party. And this is important to mention. Um, that's that, what does Summer say? What's up with that Ryan kid? He's probably... On Oxycontin. Oxycontin. Oxycontin <laughs> is gnarly. It's gnarly. Not Oxycontin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but you, you do it with such gnarly. 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 Oxycontin yeah. is gnarly. I don't it's know. It's so... I have to watch it again. OC. <laughs> yeah. It is so OC. No, I know. Um, yeah, you know, I'd like to say, even though I wasn't in it that much, that I left a mark. Yep, you did. Out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oxycontin is gnarly. I'm like trying to do it now. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I'll be in my mirror later saying this to myself. <laughs> it will be concerning if anyone walks in and catches you saying that in a mirror out of context. Oxycontin is gnarly. <laughs> yes. Oxycontin is gnarly. Okay, I'm going to stop now. What we have to talk about Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley plays in this episode. And that is another big music moment. It's a montage after Ryan says, yes. go, go away, leave. Right. Yeah. Oh, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. Like that it moment. But he loves her. You can tell he loves her. And then that music plays yeah. and it's just like, oh my God. Like this whole thing. And okay. she loves him. She, she loves does him love him. Too. She's like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. I mean, from the get-go, I'm like, oh no, that was love at first sight. I'm fully on board. Okay. <laughs> Meet you. I was sort of <laughs> guilty of that with Ben myself. <laughs> so was Luke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've been having Ben dreams lately. <laughs> what? No, okay, I literally have OC too. dreams now because we're doing this. <laughs> but Luke has uh, Luke followed Marissa um, and sees her leave and then sees Ryan. As Kirsten transfers the money, Sandy and Seth are still looking for Ryan and Marissa's crying in the car, and we cut to commercial. Mm. Then when we come back, Luke and his posse shows up, and they get into a fight. The candles start a fire, and they attack Ryan. The house goes up in flames, and Carmack, or sorry, Luke, drags Ryan out of the house and drives off, and the house comes crumbling down. Right. It does show it does show that Luke does have a heart as well. Mm-hmm. Like we keep seeing Correct. it come through these characters and that's a yes, moment where it's like, you know what? He's not right. a bad guy. He's He's, he's not one dimensional. Nope. No, he's not. Exactly. It was really not, smart. Yes. Really smart to show that. Very. Yeah. And yes. Although I do have to say the only nice scene between Julie and Jimmy, um, probably for a long time where they're reminiscing about basketball, but I, I had to comment that I'm all like one color, brown skin, brown hair, brown lips. So hopefully the makeup would get Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Chunky highlights. Don't forget you had no. chunky highlights. Yeah. And you entered you entered the scene wedding ring first. You come into the scene behind the couch and put your hands on him and it's just your your oh wedding my God, ring. Your you gigantic that. Julie wow. Cooper. Wow. Invite a gay guy to the party. He notices shit like that. Yeah. Like you came in <laughs> wedding ring diamond first. Yeah. Oh, Which is I, love I it. think is I think that says who Julie is as well. I think it really does. Like <laughs> yeah. Julie Cooper was gonna she was gonna move on up to the OC. Yeah. And she got herself a husband and a ring and a horse named China. 
No, there was one more great scene where this is where what I was talking about when um, when uh, Sandy is is furious at Seth and says, "What were you thinking?" And Seth goes, "You forced me to live amongst these pod people, and he's the first cool guy I get, and you and you're kicking him out." And this look mm. over Sandy's just like, "What respect he has for his, his son to go." My God, I didn't even think of it that way. And he sits yeah. down. And he's like, God, I just, I'm trying to do the best I can. They're both are. And mm-hmm. and they're over it. And there's that mutual understanding of, we really like this kid and hope it works out. So I thought that was an, another great um, dad-father scene. So then now they we're- They are a great yeah. father-son combo. I agree. Yeah. It's a really great relationship. Yeah. So we're at the end and the police are questioning the boys, or Seth, when Luke and Ryan pull up. Ryan apologizes, gets handcuffed, and Luke chimes in that it was an accident, admits he was there, and gets handcuffed, and they take, go off. Um, Sandy tells them to keep quiet. And, um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. But on a side note, real quick, I have to say this. Misha wears Uggs in this scene, which is the first time <laughs> I think we saw Uggs. And it's so California for surfers and the skiers, especially what, you have that oh, Patrick. Down? <laughs> I got to post it. Do you know what it says? I blame Misha. Well, I blame her for the Uggs. <laughs> she was way before the, the way before the Kardashians. I blame Misha, Stephanie Savage, for the Uggs. Well, and I said so she really, she really did. Sort of. That was the first time. Yeah, like, I think I, Uggs exploded Uggs were cool. from that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they did. I think even sales went up. I mean, yeah, we all wore Uggs. I had them offset, and I th- I've said this. I don't. I don't think I've said this here, but Adam drew on my Uggs, and to this day, I have them somewhere. And he drew himself and Ben, and he drew Peter. But for Peter, he just drew eyebrows on my Uggs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I still have them. When I first. When I first saw the scene when that episode first aired and I saw her standing in the Uggs, I thought to myself, did they forget to tell her when she came out of the trailer? Possibly. That she was still in Uggs. Because, you know, that's what everybody on night shoots was wearing to keep their sure. feet warm. And I thought, oh, yeah. oh, they totally forgot to tell her she was in those Uggs. I just feel like <laughs> having worked for Josh Schwartz a lot of times, which is a dream, seriously, I'm not just kissing ass, I feel like I have to cast Josh in almost every project. And I didn't know that at the time, that Josh was Seth. Josh was Seth. And then when I did Chuck, Josh mm-hmm. was Chuck. Like the mm-hmm. cute, mm. the cute computer nerd guy that all the girls loved. And then on Marvel's Runaways, Josh was magically transported into an African-American character. But he was the cute computer nerd that was funny and smart and likable. And I just feel like every time I work for Josh, it's like, which version of you are we casting now? That's great. <laughs> because What's left? He, and, I know, right? And then here's my favorite story. One morning, just before the pilot aired or whatever, Sam Rubin on KTLA was reviewing the OC. And he said that he liked it. But his one complaint was that the mother of uh, uh, Marissa's character was way too young to be her mother and the actress playing Marissa was way too old. I went uh, and sent a, an email to Sam Rubin going, Misha Barton was 16. I think Melinda's like 35. She could have had her at 19. You need to apologize. You know, it, uh, and uh, also once we had cast um, Misha, who was 15 or 16, but looked older, we had to cast boys that were older. 
You couldn't put a real 18-year-old next to Misha. She didn't look 15, 16. She, Mm. you know, she was sort of so beautiful and otherworldly. So Sam Rubin actually went and apologized the next day. Did he really? About (laughs) saying that you were too young and and Misha was too old. Because I was pissed. I'm like, don't trash this show. When they, yeah, good the, for you. She's the, actually the one person who is the right age. That's interesting. She yeah. really right. was. Like, right. If you were 21 and the yeah. boys were 22, 23. Yeah. I was watching oh, yeah. Will and Grace the other night, and Sean Hayes had a scene about, and he's like, oh my gosh, that was such a scene from the OC where the teenagers are 25 and the parents are 35. Because <laughs> 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 that was on at the same time. But I was 33 right. when we did the pilot, 34. Were, but yeah. I always... I always played a little older, <laughs> but I could have been, well, I, I would have been a very young mom in real life, but I was, yeah, right. we we're definitely playing. I remember Kelly commenting on that, like during the show, she's like, I could, I could date like my son, you know, like the <laughs> yeah. age difference wasn't that Yeah. I think big. Ben and I, I are like, about 10, are you 9, to say? 10 you years date? apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, Kelly was really lit. Kelly Rowan's really good in this show. She's fantastic. Say, like yeah. even rewatching it. She's really good. Oh. So she doesn't good. jump through hoops or, but she, I, I, Kirsten could have been unlikable. And I think that she, she really did the trick of making her sympathetic. You're and, so right. Because she's really protecting her son. She I, was really I trying totally to protect her understand son. her point yeah. of view as a mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was really good. We have um, a few quiz <laughs> questions for you, though, Patrick. You don't have post-its. You don't have notes for those, do you? No. no <laughs> I don't know what you're going to Go. Okay. Shoot. Uh, what is Ryan's dad in jail for? I couldn't answer this. I mean, I can now because I'm reading the answer, but I couldn't. <laughs> I didn't have it in front of me. He says it in this episode. Armed robbery? Yeah. 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 He Very said it in that good. episode. Yeah. Here's Very a question. Good. Who played Ryan's dad? Kevin Sorbo. Do we ever see him? Oh, we do? Oh, right. Jeffrey Later. Dean Much Morgan. Later. Wait. Isn't what? it Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Wait, wait. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? I want to ask this question because I, when I was doing my research, it said something about- Jeffrey Dean Morgan. But- but he when he do we says see his dad. It says that he we visit Jeffrey that P- Peter visits him in jail, and I was like, what character did he play? But then later, when Julie gets together with his dad, it's played by Kevin Sorbo. Ugh, how gross! And leave that in <laughs> Sorbo, that fucking weirdo. Um, I regret. I regret that one. Um, all right. Yeah. Oh, Who does Jeffrey Dean Morgan play? I see. I That's my Jeffrey question, Morgan, too. Okay, because Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character was somehow tied into Kim Delaney's character. What storyline is this? I'm so confused. I don't know. Because I, I don't know. I read it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan did like one or two episodes, I think. He's a client of Sandy's, and I don't remember it at oh, all. Oh. I wish he had played Brian's dad. Me too. But that's when Jeffrey Dean Morgan was that go-to guy. He was he was a dad on Dawson's Creek. He was a dad on uh, he was the dad in the pilot of Supernatural. I mean, he was that go-to guy who would do, you mm-hmm. know when you had to hire someone for top of show and they'd they'd come in and audition. Yeah, and you know he was that guy. Yeah, He's, wow. Like he, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was Ryan's dad. I, 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 and I've been watching the episodes, still haven't seen him. I just saw it online that he was on it. So I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. You want to ask the next question, Mint? 
<laughs> maybe Patrick knows this one because he he notices the details. What item did Marissa <laughs> not bring to the model home? Kiel's mo- cucumber moisturizer, a loofah, a moisturizing face mask, or toilet paper? So easy, the face mask. <laughs> you got it right. You know what? Oh, of course. First of all, you got to ask straight guys that question. They'll be like, uh, <laughs> a queen's going to notice the fucking keels, cucumber, the loofah, and the toilet That's paper. awesome. I love, actually, I love that toilet paper moment because it's so real. And they're like, oh, we didn't think of that. Like, that's right. actually, thank you. Now I can go take a poop. Like, it's just and very prop, real. And pro- props to the prop guy for the really beat up roll of toilet paper. It wasn't like <laughs> right, right, right. Was it? Thing. it oh, was God. really, oh, yeah. That's the it one that's been in like game. a linty bag all day. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's been in the center console of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That was so good. Do we want to ask? The, okay. Are you up for, are you up for another one? Okay. Sure. I mean, you're two for two at this point. Cheers. How I much know. does Uh-oh. Jimmy need, Patrick? How much does Jimmy need? How much money? It's a good question. And I was paying attention because I wondered, like, with inflation, was he going to say a million, 500,000? He needed 100K. He needed 100,000. Yes. Nope. I somehow paid attention. Oh, I thought you said no. Mindy, I thought you said no. I was like, no, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No. 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 Yeah. I didn't even know there was going to be a test, but I love that I was paying attention. By the way, you passed with flying colors. We couldn't finish. I would love to know, um, because I um, had the honor of being a part of it, uh, your charity um, for Best in Drag Show, your fundraiser, is that <laughs> still continuing or is that something you want to talk about? It is. Yeah. It is still going. Yay. That's so um, awesome. It's weird. You know, it started out 30 years ago mm-hmm. in my friend Alexis's apartment as a joke one night six guys dressed in drag to watch the Miss America pageant in a rent control apartment. And Mm -hmm. from that became that event that you guys have been to. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. it was weird this year because of the pandemic, we were like, well, what are we going to do? We can't go to the Orpheum theater and seat 1800 people. So we rented the Orpheum theater on Saturday and filmed the show and then showed it at the Rose Bowl drive-in Sunday night. And it was sold out. Just recently? (gasps) Yeah, in October. Oh, wait a minute. I live right there. I didn't know. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That's That's so awesome. That's so cool. I mean, it was crazy that... So, basically, everybody watched on the show what they had... We had filmed on Saturday, and they edited overnight to, you know, condense it down. And then, you know, we announced the winner live uh, Sunday night at the Rose Bowl because we had judges in the front row in their cars at the (laughs) drive-in. And, uh, yeah, so we are still doing it. That's great. Right. That is really- so anybody listening, um, if you want to Google best in show, it's a drag oh. beauty pageant with a lot of humor and Kathy Griffin right. um, hosts usually, is she still doing? And yes. it's absolutely one of the best evenings of the year. Mm. <laughs> I've got to be a judge Thank a couple of times, but it's just entirely, entirely <laughs> just full of joy in life. Thank yeah. You. Right. Thank you. Bestindragshow.org is the website and it benefits uh, the Alliance for Housing and Healing and Aid for AIDS, which helps homeless people with HIV get housing and medication and things that they they need. And it is not RuPaul quality drag queens. No, no. We are. No, it's guys who shouldn't be in drag. Yeah. And they have to to create their own characters and a whole life. And it's just... 
It's right. just so unique, and it's such a special, a special evening every Incredible. year. So really thank you, incredible. and thank you both yes. for, um, for being involved in it. Yeah, so, and thank of you, for course, always. It. Yes, well, Patrick, thank you for this has coming been on blast. and talking to us. Yes, and bringing we, up the things people really want to know. <laughs> that was awesome. Yep, you know what you're doing. Yeah, and you being a little bit, but perfectly evasive. I'm trained. I like it. I got to say, well, I got to say, um, would you come back for other episodes to help us out? Because we just love having you. Yeah. You're so, I'm usually so never invited fun. anywhere twice. So I'd be thrilled. <laughs> I would be thrilled to come back. Are you Aww, Plus I don't want to wait 18. I don't want to wait 18 more years to see you guys. Yeah. Please. I know. We love you so much, Patrick. And just thank you. You guys are so awesome. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So next we are going to take some fan questions, listen to some lovely voicemails you guys have been leaving for us. Here we go. What aspects of your character's personality would you have liked to have explored in more depth and which, in your opinion, did not emerge? That's a real tough question. (laughs) What's interesting is, you know, I mentioned that Julie Cooper has a, has a huge arc. And if we think about how she started, mm-hmm. which was very superficial, her priorities were money, money, fashion, status in the court, money, maybe her daughter's down here somewhere. And by the end of the season, she has, you know, had to take everything that life's thrown at her. And she becomes, she starts doing things for herself. And so I don't think there... Honestly, I don't think we could have explored. And she's lived in a trailer and she's had money. She's not had money. She's had to, you know, take, try not to live in such a self-centered world and think about everyone else around her. I don't think we could have explored any more with her and the death of her daughter. I mean, (laughs) what? I don't think that um, there was anything left unturned when it came to Cooper, Julie. Right. It's interesting because, you know, Summer also had mm-hmm. quite an arc and they, we definitely explored many aspects and Josh Schwartz, you know, really liked to put a lot of myself and all of us into our characters. So, and the death of her best friend and she even gets <laughs> married at the end. So I really feel like we kind of summed it all up quite nicely and really right. did get to explore a lot. There's not we, many that, thing that comes to mind that I feel like we missed out on. We had some, well, the characters obviously are different characters, but they had similar... Um, yeah, similar events happened to them and they <laughs> reacted, you know, I mean, the, yeah. Summer and Julie actually came together at the, in the season four because of the death of Marissa. It's just so sad. Okay. I know. Thanks for your question. Thank you. So that wraps up episode two, the model home with our dear, dear man, Patrick Rush. What <laughs> fun was that? We have to have him so back. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. I hope he comes back very soon. I just want his commentary on everything in life. Like as I'm walking, I want him commenting as I'm <laughs> right, doing anything. Right. Well, and I think that's <laughs> um, what's was, wonderful yeah. about the podcast. We're going to have different guests who had a completely different experience than us because it would get really boring if it just came from Mindy because all <laughs> I would talk about is traffic. <laughs> Getting to work. Yeah, it was a super fun to have Patrick. Um, looking forward to our next guest and going over the next episode. It's just so much fun doing this with you, Mindy. I can't wait to do it again. And I hope you guys all tune in for the next one. Thanks for joining us today. We would love it if you could follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like to watch us, check us out on YouTube. 
Close your eyes. It's time to discover what starting and growing your own business feels like. Whether your business is bedsheets or skincare, Shopify's with you every step of the way. Now, open your eyes. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast 22. Shopify.com slash podcast 22. Hi, everyone. It's Rabia Chaudhry. And I'm Ellen Marsh. And we have a new podcast called Rabia and Ellen Solve, Solve the, case. the Case. As you know, I am a very smart lawyer. You are. You're so well-respected in the entire world. You know everything. Thank you so much. And as you know, I'm a famous Broadway star. Gorgeous. I sing like a nightingale. Well, yes. at least that's what your mom says. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Ellen Marsh. And, and I'm Rabia. Rabia but we are teaming up to bring you a show like you have never heard before. True crime meets talk show. Nobody's done it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the impossible. And it's the two things that I love. Ellen, I think you'll like it too. What? True crime and talking? Yeah. I'm there. Every other week, we will have a guest talking about whatever true crime case they are obsessed with. We have a list. Everything from... The Lacey Peterson murder. Yeah, some of the most famous cases you've ever heard of, obviously, like John Benet Ramsey, The West Memphis Three, Chris Watts, Khalif Browder, Elisa Lamb, Madeline McCain, Sandra Bland, The Springfield Three. The list goes on and on. But they are all cases that you know, and we are going to dive in deep with someone else and just talk about them. No. We're going to solve the case, Ellen. That's right. We're going to solve the case. So subscribe to Rabia and Ellen's Solve the Case wherever you get your podcasts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.